Great DJs deserve great music. That's why here at Desi BPM, we're giving professional DJs access to the first ever online DJ pool exclusively for Desi Music. Register your interest now and receive your first three months free at desibpm.com. Hi, I'm Chunt, and I'm a DJ. And I'm Mac, and I'm his MC. Mic check, one, two, one, two. We're just two northern lads who love music and good conversation. And this is our podcast, Roots and Rhymes. Yes, yes, people, you're back with your favourite British Asian music podcast, Roots and Rhymes, and I'm your host, Chunt. And I'm with my co-host, Mac, who unfortunately isn't available for this particular part of the recording. This week, we have another fantastic guest, Kudos and BBC Asia Network DJ, AJD. Gives us an insight into his career, what it was like joining Kudos, and how much he loves WWE. Let us know you're locked in by adding us on the socials, at Roots and Rhymes. Also, if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, download, like, and follow. Let's get straight to it. Roots and Rhymes. Today's guest is the only DJ to ever win the best DJ at the British Asian Music Awards twice and be nominated every year in between. He's perfected his skills by mixing different genres of music all over the world and bringing them directly to your ears via the BBC Asian Network. He's slightly claustrophobic and absolutely hates coriander, but if he wasn't a DJ, he would definitely want to be a WWE wrestler. It's AGD. Yeah, man. Welcome, brother. <laughs> Bro, most important question of the podcast already. If you were a WWE wrestler, what would your finishing move be? Oh, uh, well, I've always, been a, I've always been a massive Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. Straight stunner. It'd have to be the stunner, but um, <laughs> I, I've been more of a fan of his personality. He's yeah. always been an anti-hero kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. hero. Yeah. I, like, feel like I kind of fit that role with him what we're in as well so it's cool yeah, it's yeah. a couple of cans of beer as well yeah, yeah. take them in with you no problem <laughs> I think I'm getting there with the hair as well <laughs> six, six, oh, six. so uh, first and foremost um, congratulations on the increased schedule on the BBC Asia Network as well I mean obviously that was uh, that was put out by the press office a few months ago so I guess lockdown's not been all that bad has it it's been yeah. uh, quite on the on the gig front but I guess on the BBC Asia Network side it's been really good you know what it is? Uh, first off, before I carry on as well, congratulations to you guys for getting your stint on Asian Network. Oh, as well. thank you very thank much. You, bro. Thank you, bro. It doesn't go unnoticed, and it's great, obviously, for you guys to be doing something like this is getting noticed, and then to pass just forward as well. Mm-hmm. Um, regards to myself, um, it it has it has been quite blessed. I'm not going to lie, but the thing is, is my heart does go out to people that have been affected by covid um yeah, when it comes, yeah. especially in our in our industry mm. um i've kind of not really been that active in the front of making a big hoo-ha and a song and dance about having an increased schedule and stuff like that because our, our thing at asian network has more so been about keeping people's sanity more so yeah. than oh you know i'm still keeping busy within the pandemic mm. because there's a lot of people that are quite unfortunate not being not being able to do that mm. But yeah, it has, you know, now that you've asked, it has been good. I've mm. uh, been blessed, you know, starting out on Saturdays Absolutely. three years ago and um, now I've been extended to a Thursday slot. Um, and yeah, it's, it's quite a bit of a wild story for saying that it's somebody just plucked out of obscurity and no radio experience whatsoever and just, mm. you know, being able to do what I'm doing. So very blessed in that sense. Mm. Um, and uh yeah, man. See what the future you, you holds. You mentioned cool. something really important there, bro. And like, it, I think it's one of those things that needs highlighting is that in this pandemic, you know, some of the 
some of the old school media that we might forget to consume, like radio, gets an increase in listens because you can't go anywhere. You, you, you know, your TV, you watch TV all the time. But what you just said there about like you guys are helping people stay sane through this, the entertainment factor, just the, the little bit where they can connect with different voices and different people. That might be the only connection people has got through their radio, through their TV, through podcasts. So I think that's a massive point, man, that as much yeah. as we're talking about people, you know, doing the work, the ultimate goal of that is to serve the people, isn't it? Bro, and I know that I know that mental health is quite a deep issue and we're only literally like 30 seconds in, yeah, I think, to this yeah. podcast. But let's roll with it, man. I yeah. don't really care. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's, it's very true because the thing is, is I, I'm going to be completely open with it. When the pandemic first hit, I was very anxious. Mm. I was very anxious. I was, I was under the impression that the world was going to end. That's yeah. how bad it really comes. No, not in, not in that bad in that sense. But the world as we know it would, would end now. What, what was going to change and it literally has. So... And then at the same time, having to, you know, still stick to BBC scheduling and being able to do shows, we weren't allowed in studio, so mm. that had changed as well. Um, you know, doing recordings in, in, in my dining table, not even this studio that I've got built now. Um, but it was the, the, the mission. The mission objective was literally just to kind of, you know, keep everyone at ease. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just, you know, just let them know that there is a sense of normality that mm. still exists, mm. uh, be it through whatever channels. Because the thing is, is, um, the news channels probably weren't helping too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, when we had so many scary statistics that were coming out and stuff, um, I kind of found that really alarming. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you, I think people just really needed a sense of just like, all right, you know, I can kind of just be, be with normal life, yeah. even though it wasn't normal at the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was just, it was just a sense of keeping everybody saying and mm. that's what we that's what we did throughout man really and now look we're, we're light is nearly at the end of the tunnel yeah 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 sure, definitely bro. i think it's it's been a it's been a long slog hasn't it these uh these past 13 14 months um as you say light is at the end of the tunnel but even in the beginning as you said that people's mental health it, i guess a lot of people probably didn't realize at the time that it was taking a toll until maybe maybe now they realize the, the, uh, the way that they were thinking and, yeah. and what they were thinking back then was actually not normal. And as you say, the media didn't play the, they lapped up the amount of news uh, that they could generate as a result of it. But hey, ho, I mean, like you said, you're doing absolutely great on the Asian network. Um, once again, congratulations to you for yeah, that. Nice. And, um, and thank you for the congratulations for obviously on, uh, on our show, yeah, man. which Asian network represents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the house Definitely. right now. We're in the house. <laughs> You know what? No, there's, there's no way that you lot can't get the attention because what you're doing right now, uh, you know, and I'll, I'm not going to shy away from it. I'm happy to admit it that I reached out to you guys to be involved in this podcast mm. because of the sole fact that there's not enough of these things happening. Mm. So, you know, there needs to be widespread attention. The need, the, you know, there's plenty of people in the British Asian music scene, uh, people within the DJ industry that can have avenues to get on mm. with things like mm. such a such a strong industry i mean the, the amount of success that he's had especially over the last 20 years but even long standing over the last 30 40 years it's it's amazing and and i think it used to get a lot more attention in the 90s but as the noughties came through there was so much output but then there's nothing shining a spotlight onto that now and actually I mean, recognizing the amount of work that some of these people and the foundations that some of these producers and artists have built for for artists now I think the, the, the real, I think the thing is is like maybe with, with everything at the moment when it comes to like when I'm when I'm speaking about Asians and British Asians and when I'm thinking about Asians in general, I'm kind of thinking that when it comes to music, when it comes to 
media when it comes to quite a few things maybe not so media but like things like this mm. I kind of feel like sometimes we're a step behind yeah. when, it, when it comes to the likes of Canada Absolutely. I really feel mm. like Canada's ahead when it comes to music mm. you know I've seen a few podcasts that come out from there as well people are very extroverted out there do you know mm. what I'm Absolutely. trying to say mm. they're, they're I, I very, agree mm. yeah. very very kind of uh, out there they're, they're happy to kind of push the barrier and push themselves out there in order to get their product through yeah. and I feel like they've got a lot more unity out there as well yeah um, yeah uh, definitely feels that way doesn't it from what you see and, uh, and you see the output of some of these people even uh, i think especially on the social media side and, and using media channels they're they're definitely very versed in in creating really really good content for people yeah i yeah. think it goes yeah, beyond yeah. that as well doesn't it aj it's more about kind of celebrating this subculture of ours as well just from a beyond music kind of perspective to say that you know british asian culture that culture like other cultures our our being British Asian has so much to it. There's so much depth to that. It's sure. it's a melting pot of so many different influences, and you know you could get someone who's really influenced by something, which is why we've ended up calling it Roots and Rhymes because it's completely a mix of so much that goes into British Asian culture. And what we what we're trying to do is document that really and just understand yeah. it and pick it apart and give people the opportunity to say yes, we might all fall under this label of British Asian. But that actually means so many different things to different people and to hear Absolutely. individual stories. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And salute to you guys, man. So that's what I'm saying. It's, 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 a, pleasure to be, it's a pleasure to be on there. Rewind. Let's take it back. Know your roots. So AJ, born in London, but actually raised in Derby. What do you remember as your earliest memories of listening to music, especially in the home as well? Because um, obviously a lot of the people that we speak to is influences always start at home. So what was yours like? Yeah, um, you know, typical answer here would be, you know, I was raised in a pure Punjabi household and Kaldeep Manik was, you know, this and that and, and you know, folk music. But um, in hindsight, that wasn't really the case in my house. We were, we were kind of brought up in the 90s and my mum, uh, God bless her soul, she was a massive, massive Bollywood fan. Mm. Um, she was an absolute massive Bollywood fan. And I think, my kind of passion for DJing actually came through her. The more and more I start to think about it now, because she, she passed away this year, but the more and more I start to think about it and remembering her, it starts to kind of make me think that my my kind of passion for DJing started through her because what she used to have, um, what she used to love doing was uh, having blank cassettes and then recording the favorite songs from there mm-hmm. on flat. Yeah, so yeah, then, yeah, it was it was just like, you know, she was listening to things like Udit um, Narayan, uh, you know, you're going back to Lata and, and all this kind of thing. I never really, I never was really too into it, but it was always on in the house. Mm. And then my brothers, they were the Bangla heads. So they were the right. Desi heads. But they yeah. were like, they, they didn't, they really started a bit more like in the Safri era. So more like yeah. Safri, Malkid, AS Kang. And then mm. when the Def, when the Def Jam, um, sorry, not, it wasn't even Def Jam. It was extra hot, extra hot DJs. Um, mm. These guys were out. And then you were hearing, I was hearing bootlegs. And I was thinking, what's going on here? Like, you know, I've heard this song before and I've heard this song before when I was a very young age. Mm. And, I, and I was just so fascinated by it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it was just a, it, it was just that. So I, I'd probably say it was a mixture of quite a lot of things. Yeah, um, It's really funny. As you, as you get older, you don't actually realise the, the influence of certain music that has on you. Because myself as well, I, I listen to quite a lot of Bollywood. Not because it was necessarily influenced. It was just what I kind of secondhand heard. But then you realise that these these artists and these these absolute legends like Lata Mangeshkar and and Asha Bosley and all of them, 
you kind of recognize their music without even realizing that, yeah. that yeah, you, think, you, you yeah, heard I, it at such a young age. I think what it was is their, I think their voices were so distinctive in their time. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, you knew, you knew a song, you knew an Asha song, you knew a Lata song, because mm. their voices were just so distinctive. It wasn't even about the music. Mm. Nowadays, it's more about what does the, the music producer stamp, so you know what the mm. music, so you know which producer it is. Yeah, Whereas yeah, back yeah. Then, it was all about the singers. Every mm. single singer had their own personality. Yeah, you know, absolutely. even going back to the likes of Manek, Chimkila, Shinda, mm. they mm. all had their own mm. versatile like personalities. You knew who was who. And yeah. then you got a bit later when you got to the South the Kangs, the, um, you know, Malkits, you know, all these guys, they were still so distinctive. Absolutely. And then it kind of felt like it kind of got a bit too tunnel vision. And yeah. I think people, I don't know, I just kind of feel like... The well, there was the rawness then, wasn't there? There was, I mean, even though that uh, Bollywood was probably light years ahead of of uh, Punjabi music in terms of production and that kind of thing, they had the fantastic singers, but obviously there was the rawness of the, the folk side of Punjabi music back then. Obviously it becomes a lot more manufactured and pop like the more mm. the more popularity comes into the industry but yeah. I, I like that that obviously a lot of your so well you your brothers were i take it older than you and, yeah no, and I'm, I'm i'm the youngest yeah i'm the youngest so they were so one of them was actually you know he was a vinyl dj um oh, wow. but he wasn't a, he wasn't a proper scratch one he was he was just literally just starting out and he took me to one of his friends houses and he had a proper setup in his um in his in his attic mm. Mm. Very long time ago. I don't want to give away my age. Sorry, man. That ain't coming out <laughs> for podcast for you. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, took me to his took took me to his attic, and I was just like, I was like amazed because you yeah. know I was this young age, and I saw you know I got to his attic. First of all, his attics had steps. Mm. So and this was this wasn't the norm back then. Yeah, his attics had steps going up. So I thought, okay. Then I got there. Then it was just like proper, like you know. It was like a grey carpet laid out. Then it had a then it had a wooden kind of deck, like you know how you have staging and stuff, yeah. right? But it wasn't that. It was like wooden decking, like you'd had mm. outside on a on a conservatory. But it was really really big. So it actually was big as it was. Then his decking was actually quite big. And then I just seen like two massive desks of like twelve tens and mm. mixes, Sick. massive and monitors and and I was this was so ahead of its time. And I was like, whoa. I was like, what? I was, I want to be involved in this. Yeah, yeah. I want to be, I, I don't care what this is. I don't care how old I am. You yeah. know, I was in school, I think it was a year seven or something. Um, and I was like, yeah, I would want to be involved. And, um, and then I just, yeah, I just heard him freestyle a little bit. They weren't the best. I ain't going to lie. But, um, they managed to pull off a bootleg, which was, um, Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It mm-hmm. with um, one of the uh, Sukhshindra Shindas. He used to release quite a lot of breaks back then, like Door Yeah, break. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this, they just put the two together and I was like, is this really happening? Like, what, yeah, what is yeah, this? Yeah, and then that's sick. it from there. And then that, that was it, man, really. Got the book from there. There was, there was so much more, there was so much more trial and error that I went through and, and stuff like that. But that was the birth. That was mm-hmm. the, that was the birth of the thinking to think, yeah, okay, this is what it really is. So I was thinking, my mom kind of thought, okay, I kind of realized that she was, she's creating her own compilations. She's which play, playlisting you know, before playlisting, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And do you remember when we used to make blank CDs? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah you I remember yeah. doing tapes, bro, like your mum was doing. I remember doing yeah, yeah. tapes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just crazy how it all evolves. And I just wonder what the next step is as well. It is, isn't it? It's like a week, like that, that area that you're talking about, there's, there was a lot more of a manual process about it. It wasn't about logging into a, you know, on your laptop and just doing everything in on one system, on one program. Like you had to make a bit more of a physical effort to get involved in that kind of stuff. And I also think as well, you know, you just to go back on, onto an earlier point about distinctive voices, 
you had to be like really at the top of your game to cut through the market at that time because there is no Facebook, there is no Instagram, there's no social media. If your name is known outside of your city, it's because you're shit hot at what you do. And that's what we're talking about back then. I'm not saying it's necessarily easier now, but it's easier to get exposure now, that's for sure. I think think you brought up a very very valid point there. I kind of feel like, like I said, like what I said as well, authenticity Mm. really stood out back then. Yeah. And, Mm. and, And nowadays... I mean, I can only relate to the DJs, really, to be honest. And, uh, you know, you see a lot more DJs that are getting popular, mm. but the entry levels have got a lot easier. Yeah, mm. that's the thing. There's nothing, wrong, there's nothing wrong with that, though. Wish no. them all the best. Yeah, luck. yeah. I just, kind of, I just kind of feel like, you know, there's clickbait, there's clickbait, yeah. and then there's authenticity. And that's, yeah, I'm man, a very firm believer It's a, such and, a great point, that, bro. That's a great point. It is, the entry level is easier now, but it doesn't take away. Talent still is talent, isn't it? But there, it is, the entry level is easier, so the market's flooded quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is look, it's, it, was, it, was a, it was a thing that was bound to happen. And I could do a separate podcast on this all the way through, but mm. it's, just, it's just one of them ones. I kind of feel like authenticity should always still remain, and it will still always remain, regardless of if you've got 100 followers or whether you've got 10,000 or 100,000. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Because mm-hmm. that click, clickbait is one. Um, uh, and and to raise popularity, but then skill set, authenticity, kind of you know, and, and then it, it's it's just a real kind of grey area. But yeah. like, uh, yeah, but back then it was entry levels were a lot harder. Social media wasn't around. Yeah. And to be honest, I'm glad you actually raised that point, uh, AJ. That that was part of the, one of the reasons why myself and Mac took a break from from DJing and and MCing because the way the industry was going, it was Facebook became absolutely massive, and it turned mm-hmm. into promoters only booking DJs who could get them a guest list of a hundred yeah. or 150 people. Wow. So it was what, no longer what, about the skill. What what it was, it, yeah. It, it was no longer about the skill and the amount of years that you've been playing and, and how good your sets were. It became, okay, can, can you bring a hundred people with you to get in this night and we'll book you regardless of how good you are. And I got sick of trying to chase the fact that, okay, I need to build up my Facebook presence in order to be validated as a good DJ. And it's kind of like, you know what? I'll, I'll stick with the, the promoters that I know want to do just really good nights and became quite intimate nights. Um, and, and I'll, I'll just take it and I'll just walk away from it from there and I'll keep the passion in my bedroom as it, well, as it was I'm, once upon a time. I'm glad that you guys are back. I think that's the main thing. I just kind of feel like, you know, at the end of the day, good talent, it should never be talent wasted. But yeah. I just always, I've always been a firm believer of that regardless. Like I said, again, um, Nowadays, as well, in the in the in the day of social media that we live in, it's, it, we can get very disheartened by things that we do see. Mm. Um, not not even the, not even on a jealous tip, but it's just kind of naturally, it's just a knee jerk reaction of what happens into our minds because yeah. we're thinking, you know, we could be achieving this, but why is it hap- why why or whatever? Yeah. The thing is, once you once you learn to surpass and see past that, um, and you just you know w- w- the way that I've kind of seen it is, you just kind of wish well for all and you. Mm. And you've got to just you got to just keep on slogging as well. Yeah. And yeah. you're completely right in the sense of uh, you're completely right in the sense of you know promoters changing their perceptions of people um, uh, of DJs to say look you know it, these guys can probably get me more people into my club. Albeit that we might not think that they're the the, the best singer, the best PA, the best DJ, or whatever. <clears throat> but um, that's that's the way it's kind of that's the way it's kind of gone down. But yeah. I, I, I I really I then in hindsight cannot take away because I share great rapport with promoters from before the age of social media, yeah. mm. having then grasped social media to be able to 
excel and not not excel my dj kind of popularity but just really kind of showcase my skills on there mm. still maintain the popularity with promoters and go out and be able to deliver authenticity it's been yeah. a very very kind of you know a, a, a kind of it's a very structural procedure. Yeah, I'm very, absolutely. very kind of like, you know, I'm very tunnel vision with the sense that, okay, I know what, I, I know what, what's what and where's how the house to how to get about it. But the thing is, you do need to slog it out a little bit. Mm. And mm. Um, that's exactly what I did, man. Mm. That's exactly what I did. And speaking of which, you know, I was getting booked out before kind of Facebook popped off. But you, you go back to the days of like 2015 or 2016, I was doing Facebook live, like from my, from from my decks in this room, it used mm. to be a small. It never even used to be a studio. It used to be literally. <laughs> this just used to have a, a little shelf just knocked yeah. into the wall. Yeah, mm-hmm. I literally I just used to have my DDJ set up, and we used I used I used to have like two thousand people watching at one time, just one live, and it was like people from around the globe. And you kind of I kind of just thought, whoa, like, and then obviously, no, it's been great for that, hasn't it? It has been yeah. great for that. But what happened is as time went on, I started to notice the figures went a bit lower because it started to get saturated as what everything does. Yeah. yeah. Um, Absolutely. But it's just the, 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 thing, the thing is, is now is just staying woke within yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's just the key thing, man. Staying woke within yourself and, and keeping authentic is just like, I think that's, that's the moral. Volumes, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely. Always. So, so we, we talked about AJ that obviously you, you, your first influence was, that you you saw your brother and his friend um, kind of make this mashup, and that was probably the first time you you saw a set of turntables and what the, the magic that could happen on them. Mm-hmm. So you 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 were that, that was around year seven. So you were in high school, and you kind of kicked off DJing after that, and your passion for music started coming in and flowing and that kind of thing. So going through high school and into university, how did the how did you gain popularity and? Uh, I understand you attended uh, the University of uh, in Leicester, so DMU, I think it was. That's right, Where man. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> to Leicester, Where you, you, man. you and you you publicly said that you you did a degree which you you had no interest in, but it was to please your parents. Was that because you had this underlying passion for music that you kind of developed through your teen years, and Bang and, on, and you knew that Bang that's what you wanted on, to do? Brother. Bang <laughs> on, brother! You don't even probably need to say anything else about that, Chums. I'm telling you. <laughs> It was literally, it was literally, I was building my network of people, you know, uh, were DJ now and I started, you know, I started, I started MCing and stuff and I was doing loads of bits and bobs and just trying to be involved, just mm. trying to be, just trying to slog it out, just, you know, staying active. Mm. And um, I was building, building my network, man, all the way through, mm. more or less, all mm. the way through uh, college, when I started in college, went to uni. And it was just kind of a thing, like it was just a tick box. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were raised in Indian society. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Indian society is always, you know, we were always brought up in a family circle of, you know, I love my family, but it was just the way that it was. Mm. But, mm. you know, if we were just brought up in the fact that my son got these grades, your daughter got these, or, you yeah, know, this yeah, and yeah. that, you know, what did you get for what? And then, and then, you know, I've always had it on my mind that I never wanted to let my parents down mm. as well. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, literally went to uni business business management and enterprise at Demontfort 
Uh, failed my first year because I was just networking and, and and just trying to get out in the DJ scene as much as I could. Yeah, yeah. And then I realised, and then I realised, well, okay, I got to get on with studies as well. Yeah. But it weren't that bad for everybody that's studying now for nine grand a year. It weren't that. Yeah, big. no, yeah, no, no. It was a lot cheaper than those. Eleven hundred pound a year. Eleven hundred pound a year. What a bargain! Yeah. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a. Uh, I'm really glad that you bring this up, bro, because you know I think that this story is so common about, you know, um, certain industries in our culture aren't perceived as, as valuable sports, entertainment, music for our yeah. for British Asians. It's like, yeah, have a dabble at it, but really go and be a doctor or lawyer or whatever it is when you're really going to settle down and make something to, of yourself. To believe that that's, I'm starting to believe that that stigma is kind of it's changing. Hearing now. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I just, just think it's great that like to, to hear it though, because for people maybe of a younger generation who who are more able to just think, oh, I can do that. There was a whole generation before that where it wasn't seen as a, a viable career to go ahead and do those kind of things. And that whole, you know, box ticking exercise of, I want to get that photo with me, hold with the cap on and holding the thingy. That's all I'm doing it for, really. I have no passion for this. I have no desire to do this. I know where I want to go. And really, AJ, as well, like you're one of the success stories in this because you managed to, break through that and yes you've done it for the, the box ticking but then to go ahead and still pursue your passion and make something of it is a real yeah. testament to your career because yeah. there's a lot of people who wish they would have done something different but never really slogged it out and followed it through mm -hmm. at the same time it, it, it was a bit crazy because it was like I, I knew I knew again it was tunnel vision for mm -hmm. me I knew where I wanted to be mm -hmm. I knew what I wanted to achieve but mm -hmm. I knew that also I had this plight of you know, parents and family expectation yeah. that, that was on. And um, to be able to juggle the two was 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 a bit of a task. Mm. But you know what? I'm so glad that I did it. I'm yeah. so glad that I went to university. I wouldn't have the friend circle that I would have now. I wouldn't have DJed for all of their weddings that I did as well. Not even mm. friends, but friends of friends and acquaintances mm. that you built. Um, I wouldn't have built the, the network of promoters that I DJed for for 50 quid when I used to be a resident DJ. You know, mm. these kind of things are are so kind of like, I'm so, so grateful for that, that I went through these motions because... It's almost a rite of passage to an extent, mm, isn't it? You've mm. really got to go through that grind and, and understand the difficulties and, and the struggles of, of being a, a DJ and a, a resident DJ on set. But that's where you build your craft, man. That's where you perfect your sets. That's where it's, you it's work catch, your, your crowd craft. It's, it's a catch-22, Chons, because it's like, there will be a lot of people who don't need to go through that entry phase no, no. more. And... Um, you know, which is their own journey as well. They mm. would have gone for, you know, in, in, in 10 years time and 15 years time when they have their own opportunity to be able to do a podcast mm. on their, on their kind of breakthrough, they will have also have struggles that yeah. they, uh, that they will have, yeah. you know, every, everybody's journey is different as well, but yeah, I, I'm just grateful for the journey that I've kind of had yeah. and, and kind of seen it through and, you know, opening for artists now who I, who, who I, who know me by first name and call me and stuff and you know you know all this mm. kind of stuff and mm. you know it used to be a fifty pound fifty pound forty pound whatever man travel expenses yeah, I was yeah, there man yeah. as long as I was jamming <laughs> yeah. I, I knew I was going to shut it down and this yeah. was like oh man it, it, it was it was time it was time it was great for me it was mm. great for mm. me mm. I, I remember man everybody's so easy now to do you know <laughs> share stories on. Uh, Instagram and mm. you know quick time is done right man I was DJing in Gatecrasher in Birmingham in mm. uh, 2000 and oh 2008 I think maybe or maybe even before that I can't even remember you know what I did 
to even just get a little bit of raw footage because I was like, this night is so sick, but I, I know that I want to document it, but how can I do it? Because mm. I only had a, I can't remember what it was. It was like nothing. The camera was really like bad on the phones, right? Yeah. You know what I did? I took a guy with a massive flipping <laughs> ankle style camera and I was like, record me some shit, yeah. bro. Because I know this is going to last. And it's still yeah. on my Facebook page. Yeah. It's on my personal Facebook page until this day. But I'm just so glad because I've got these little nuggets of yeah. like kind of yeah. visuals to look back to to think, you know what? I did it. I did mm. it. And uh, I'll never say I was the first to do it or whatever, but I, I've got it from there and, and I'm still doing it until now, which... I'm just amazing. Just, you know, I'm gonna mm. keep doing, man. Tunnel vision is always there. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that time. So, cool. well, let's say from the point that you attended university through them years, um, especially the five or six years after that, where you're perfecting your craft and you're going out and you're doing this. Thing, was it always bungalow music that kind of drove you, or were you big on the R and B and hip hop side? What kind of music were you listening to? What was your driver? Because I understand that when you said your older brother kind of introduced you to Safri and Malkit Singh and that kind of thing, was that where the passion was or was there other influences coming in and around um, into your sets? I was loving garage music, man, mm. when it first came. Yeah, I was loving absolutely, but I, yeah. was, I wasn't even loving that. I was loving grime garage. Like yeah. what, what, what drill represents now is yeah. literally there was a kind of like a, 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 an offspin of that, which was around, which was kind of like the deep kind of, you know, I'm talking like Dizzy Rascal, not even... Yeah. Even Dizzy Rascal's kind of like overground. I'm talking about Wiley. Wiley was, yeah, yeah. That was early days, Lord of the Mics days. That's that Lord kind of, of stuff. the Mics, and then he was coming out with Eskimo and yeah. things like yeah, that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Eski Beat and all that. Yeah. Yeah, Eskimo and Eski Beat, Eski Boy. There was quite a few that he was coming out with. Um, I was really into mixing them. I was mm. just mixing them back and forth. And um, we used to, you know, this was before college. This is, no, this was during college. We used to be like mixing up two and then uh, like on these old school, you know, the all-in-one decks that they used to have. The yeah, 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 yeah. The delay used to be like a, a few milliseconds off as well. So you need to get it right and stuff. And then. Yeah, like, like the rack mounted ones you're talking about with the rubber buttons. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the, the CD would take like, the CD would take like two minutes to load up yeah, and stuff. Yeah, 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 you know yeah. Remember and that. if you're scratched, then you're completely done with it. No, it wasn't even it. Was like, so then we used to have an MC. His name's Knife. He used to come through and we he used to jam and we used to I used to love doing that. That mm. was college. And then obviously when I got to uni, De Montfort, come on, man. This is in them days, bro. I'm telling you, there was a Bangla rave. There were more Bangla raves than there were a normal like commercial rage you know yeah, what I mean, I mean you, so, you were banging in the middle of, you were like there was Loughborough nearby where there was oh, loads of up in there. Nottingham Trent oh. all of them the, you were in the hot spot man it was you 45 in, minutes to Birmingham it was happening there in the epicentre of yeah. everything yeah in mm. everything and the thing is is we used to have loads of uh, gigs that used to happen back then I don't know if you guys remember King of Kings bro I went uh, to all um, of them so, oh, all right, okay. you, you definitely scare it then but the thing is, is I never got on a King of Kings lineup but what it was for me I used to see their lineups and I used to be really like kind of determined by it I was like you know yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get on a King of Kings lineup mm. like, that's mm. the way that I used to be that's what to be fair that's the way that I am still right now yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like you know I used to be really like that I used to be like you know what nah mate you, you like you, or you man think you're killing it yeah on the King of Kings watch mate I'm going to get on a King of Kings lineup as well mm. or I'll get on something bigger do you know what I mean that's the way that I really used to kind of think um it used to, obviously the, the, the thinking sort of kind of changed now, but that kind of visionary thing yeah, is yeah. still there. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, almost drives you, doesn't it? That kind of thing. It's it, yeah, you almost yeah. see, you, you got a you got a aspire for something, don't you? And obviously seeing lineups like that, it's like 
need to get on that set. Yeah, need to yeah, do yeah. Something. That's like, literally, literally used to be like that for me. And then, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, there was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was mainly just Bollywood and Bangla that I really got into when when uni kicked in, uh, and then really just stayed in that field, man. Which mm-hmm. I'm kind of very grateful for, you know, because then obviously the wedding scene and stuff that all yeah, came afterwards as well. So yeah, yeah, just just really stuck to Bangla. But yeah, I've still got other influences. I still listen to all music and yeah. mm. basically just say anything that appeals to my ear, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to it. But mm. I don't care whether mm-hmm. it's you know. Even if it's a language that I don't understand, if the beat's banging, bro. That's me. Yeah, that's probably, works, yeah. Yeah. that's probably part of your answer later. That you look yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, 2012, 2013, you decide to go professional. Uh, you decide to take the plunge and, and make DJing your full time job. And you join Kudos, massive platform, an opportunity yeah. for you DJing all over the world Kenya, Malaysia, India, etc. That also coincided with the release of your debut single. Uh, on the movie box featuring uh, Bila Froz Buria and that was followed by Kushina as well which did, was this orchestrated in such a way that you knew that you wanted to to go professional you wanted to launch your career Kudos have uh, endorsed you as, as one of their as one of their DJs and you really wanted to to launch your career was that the thinking behind that? Um, I, before so, so kind of like, I just want to kind of backtrack a little bit no please um, yeah um, so before Kudos, I was part of a, I was part of well, me and my friends in Derby. We had this company called Abstract, which is still up and running right now as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out going out to them, you know, enough love for them. And and I freelance for, I freelance for a hell of a lot of road shows as well within mm-hmm. my time and just turning up and just playing. And um, you know, there's a, there's a, I don't know, this like Ratus is the only one that really runs to my mind. But I just wanted to mention them because mm-hmm. they're part of the story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, big up, man. Uh, so yeah, big up to Ratus, big up to Abstract. I think that's the key thing. And then um, I actually released Magic when I was with Abstract. So uh, that was kind of like a, for me, it was kind of like, yeah, I, you know, again, strategy, strategizing, what do we need to do? Kind of like, we want to get more bookings. I, I, know that I've got, I know that I've got a DJ talent. I know that I can go down, I can go, go, go out and shut it down. But how do I raise that popularity how do i raise that profile how do i how do i make more money off this how do i um have more longevity in this career uh how do i make myself look more kind of like appealing Mm. to um potential people that want to book out there i.e promoters festivals club owners promoters the lot so I noticed that there was a lot of people that they were released. That I noticed that there was an influx of DJs that were releasing tracks in the market. Yeah. Um, but what I kind of thought, what I kind of realized was there wasn't really. Um, it was kind of too. I mean, I don't know. To me, it just seemed too plastic. That's mm. all it was. Like honestly speaking, and I mm. probably have that perception now with a lot of. I don't know. Kind of. Kind of. Sometimes I can't get it out of my mind. Where I just kind of feel sometimes when a person releases music and they do it too much for just the sole purpose that is not relative to their product it looks very plastic mm-hmm. I was kind of seeing through it and I was like nah man I go again you know the authenticity thing kicks back in so I was like well back then like I'm going to be honest I didn't know how to play keys um, I didn't know too much about mu- like, like music in terms of keys and scales mm-hmm. but I knew what mu- I knew what banged, I knew I knew arrangements, I knew how to arrange, hence I was making mashups from a very long time. So I decided to team up with professional pre- and release quite a few tracks at that time as well. 
And um, I had the Billah vocal. I orchestrated that. I made the chorus and stuff. So I was really actively involved in that sense. But I never shied away from the fact of saying that this is solely my project and I've done it all from start to finish. Mm. Um, and that's where the authenticity kicked in. To be honest with you, Govi Heed, uh, his video, video director at the time, shot me an absolutely great video at a great mm. budget. Because I think he just believed in what my vision was for where I want to go. That's all yeah. it was. It yeah. wasn't a case of... It wasn't a case of, oh, bro, can you shoot me a video? And, uh, you know, what do you charge? It was like, Govi, look, this is what I want to achieve in the next few years, man. And I really need something quite solid. And I'm yeah. sorry, but I haven't got a singer's or a record label's worth of a budget to be able to pay you. Mm. Um, so this wasn't movie box. So this was actually my own record label first. Mm. So I funded the whole project myself. Mm. Um, and yeah, we released it. It was great. I, I kind of feel like the, the, I, I lived through the time. and. But the thing is, is what I did was because of my contacts that I built throughout uni, I coincided that with a university tour for the launch of this single. Yeah. Nobody had ever done this before. Mm. Nobody had ever done this. No DJ had ever done this anyway. The only tours that used to be around were Asia Network tours and Britasia yeah. tours, mm. uni yeah. tours. Yeah. Yeah. Apart from that, nothing, nothing like this had been really mm. done. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be able to plug the tune get some lineups and do some cities. So we did about six cities in one, in like literally like two months. This was like, you're talking 2012. And mm -hmm. to be honest, the track didn't even do that great. But, but what I made of it yeah. was key. What yeah. I made of it was key. Um, I think a lot of people just had that thing about, right, I'm going to release a track. I'm going to get successful tomorrow. Mm. Now, mm. mate, I don't work. It, it, it's about the work that you put into the mm. track. It's about Absolutely. what, what, yeah. what work and what belief that you have in the projects. So I, I did that all off my own back. Um, that was just off magic. And then, um, and then within that year, Kushia came out the year later. Yeah. And that's when I transitioned on to Kudos. Kudos mm. then, and then um, we, I managed to broker a deal with Moviebox. So we got Moviebox on board. Kushia came out. And uh, yeah, you know, Kudos is an integral part of my life. Never mm. going to shy away from that. Uh, always shared a great relationship with like DJ H, Jazz Johal, um, still do to this day. Great friends and great mentors, I think, you know, really took me on at a time where I needed some, yeah. some mentorship. Um, yeah. Really had been there. And the thing was, they were the, they, they were the epitome of what I wanted to achieve, but more. Do you got mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. So they gone and done that with, Giovanni and Jai yeah. Bunge and yeah, yeah, yeah. album and stuff and I'd seen it and I'd seen that they you know H kept you know H kept great connects with Quilly RDB Manjin absolutely yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so you know I've seen all this and I've seen like I've seen their I've seen his way of strategizing but he wasn't ever strategizing he was just doing what he was doing mm. and I was like and I was like you know what these are the guys who actually set the bar for mm. where we want to go because once they released once they released Reloaded there were so many people that did it after him but didn't succeed Mm. Um, and, and, and then, you know, to be able to do that, go down my own avenue of doing that, then joining them as well and having them on as mentors was yeah. the only probably, probably, you know, if not all the reason where, why I am where I am today, man, because yeah. of that mentorship at that time when I needed yeah. it at such a pivotal point in my life. Um, so yeah, I, man. Think, I think what Kudos did at the time was, was quite innovative. They, they, they came from their respective Roadshows, obviously Caliber, uh, yeah. and um, they they took what they knew from there, and they they've kind of created kudos into this into this really well oiled machine mm. yeah. that people yeah, yeah. like yourself and stuff can aspire 
to to be a part of and um especially and, and various different avenues from from business even to the musical side of things that they like you said they they provided great mentorship for a lot of people and a lot of the DJs that they currently have as well i mean obviously there is the the more popular DJs that we see that that fly the flag but there's a lot of young lads as well that you see uh, that are, are absolutely killing it on like TikTok and and Instagram who are endorsed by Kudos and and they're the next generation so so hats off to, to yeah. them as a brand and, and a brand, as people as well yeah. big work haven't they you right Chant? Their brand is, their brand is, I think their thought process of when they released their brand, when they released their brochure was, was like a, a thought process that nobody else ever had. Yeah. No. Uh, and I think that's the reason why it really stuck with a lot of people back then and still obviously does now. Again, like I said, it set the bar. It set mm. a, it set a tangent for aspiring DJs to be wanted, to be wanted to be behind that brand. Mm. And I automatically noticed it. I remember like this is the first time I'll ever say this. So I don't have felt like I'm never to express it, express it before. But I, I used to do roadshows for other roadshows and stuff. And then obviously when I joined Kudos and uh, Jazz Johal, uh, after a couple of events, he just said, look, he goes, look, just keep doing what you're doing. You're an amazing DJ because trust me, once people see that Kudos brand, that Kudos banner at the front as well, he goes, trust me, that's more than half your job done as well because mm. of what, where they've actually, you know, where they yeah, took the brand yeah. at that time. And it was only, I think it was literally a couple of years in from when I joined it. And he's like, look, the Kudos banner is going to do more quite a lot of the work anyway all you need to do is just don't uh don't be um nervous go out and kill it be yourself and trust me that's it and and that's that that was it and it was like man yeah it says yeah, everything yeah. really it says it all you know uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's such a good thing to shout out the kudos brand because you're talking about you know, you're not talking about an individual roadshow, one man kind of shop you're talking about like a franchise business that you would like you say when you see the banner you know that the quality is going to be there, the value is yeah. going to be there, and the people that represent that brand are going to be on uh, top top notch people, top notch DJs. So, mm. you know, it's a really really important. They're an I mean, important not, milestone. Look, you, you can't say that, Mac. But the thing is, is let's be honest. Sometimes you get it wrong. Sometimes mm. you get it wrong. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's the thing as well. So there's always trial and error. Yeah, I'm not mm. trying to say that. I'm not trying to say that every organization in the world, every successful organization in the world, has not made wrong choices because no, that's the only way that they progress. Yeah, yeah. You know? mm. And kudos would have done that as well, man. Mm. But to still stand the test of time, and I think the main thing for me is, look again, bloody hell, I might as well just, I might as well just spill it all out because I don't really get the opportunity to do this. You know, I've so many, I've had so many people within my time, investors, you know. Oh, leave kudos. You know, we'll start our own brand up. Mm. This and that. You know, we don't need to. You know, we'll we'll do our own. Why? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Mm. For me, it wasn't even a case of that. For me, it's just the principle. I just kind of feel like these guys. If it weren't for these lot, I might not have been able to be able to do what I do full time, even to this day. Yeah. And mm. for me, that principle probably stands a lot long, a lot, a lot more of speed than any mm. kind of financial gain mm. or anything like that would do. Yeah. It should be very. You know, for me, I'm very grateful in the sense of how my career's um, widened its horizon naturally, mm. rather than having to run after that dollar, man. Yeah. And uh, you know, still keeping my old friends from when I, you know, from when I made these transitions and stuff. That's these are things that are priceless to me, not mm. money. I mean, th that journey, like you said, with Kudos is has been great, and even the start of it, just just all giving you that piece of advice, saying, "Listen." You're a part of a, a really good brand here. As long as you do a really good job, then the rest is just going to, it'll just come together and it'll work. And, and, and it did. I mean, yeah. 2014, uh, 
you're awarded the best DJ at the British Music Awards. I mean, that's that's absolutely huge and massive achievement, especially at the time, because there were the awards that people were looking at to 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 see who the the best in the industry was. And but you were nominated every single year after that up until 2019. Yeah, obviously yeah. there were there was no awards last year, so not to say that you wouldn't have been awarded last year. But mm. and, and 2019, you won it again. The, and the, the only DJ to, to win the award twice, but more importantly, to win it in 2014 and then five years later to win it again, just actually goes to show that you've maintained mm. uh, a solid, a solid career over five years to be able to do that yeah, as well. It's yeah. not like you disappeared. You, you maintained that yeah. over such a long period of time, which a lot of DJs haven't really done. And yeah. consistency isn't within it? that time to DJ alongside massive artists, 50 Cent, Buster Rhymes, The Game, Jay Sean, all them guys, Jazzy B, uh, Mulkeet Singh, Shadi Man, you've got all these connections with, is a, a massive the testament to your career. The most uh, kind yeah. of knowledgeable now as well, you're thinking about exactly. it. Exactly, I mean, these new, that's it, the new school man. now, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Oof, yeah, it's, it's, it's mad when, you know, I, I, I obviously know the achievements that I've gone through, but then, for somebody else to kind of mention him, it does kind of humble you down a, a little bit as well. Um, yeah, it was just, it was just a whirlwind, man. Like 2014 was crazy. was just like, like, so it was like two, 2013, I'd um, basically, I moved away from Derby. So I moved to go to the Kudos office full time. So I was working there. I was full time in like, I was full time in everything. I was mm. full time in, events i was full-time in weddings and i was full-time in the clubs as well literally i was living a non-stop life it was um it was a uh, 20 yeah 2013 end of 12 end of 2012 2013 moved i had quite a few personal problems going on in derby so uh i i spoke to my mom and i was just like look i've got this opportunity where they want me to move um how do you feel about it because you know this this will literally be the time for me to go full time and mm -hmm. uh you know it's kind of going to be make or break if not then you know i will uh you know whatever really you know get married or whatever and this and that mm. or get a job and stuff and then she goes to me she goes look yeah okay go for a year try it out and she goes if it doesn't work at least you said you've done it and you know we can't mm. say anything as well. mm. and then yeah, literally as soon as i got there man i got there and i had a bit of saving i put it all into a flat uh, to give a deposit and obviously uh, deck it out and stuff. Mm. Started working in their office, and I was literally hand to mouth. But it was it was such a slug. But I was so grateful for it because it was like I was working in the office nine to five, taking care of their inquiries. And trust me, for anybody that's been to a kudos office, you will know that their phone rings nonstop. I'm being honest yeah. with you, it rings nonstop. So it was there like literally nine to five, sometimes nine to six. It was very unflexy hours because we would have had to meet clients that came after they'd finished work as well. Go mm. through and stuff. Do that. I would have had to do that four days, five days a week, sometimes four, depending on if we had shows on the weekend. And then during the weeknights, we still go to a club show, still do the clubs at night as mm. well. So I was still going out and DJing. I was traveling from, you know, West London to Birmingham, West London to London, West London to Leeds, West London to Manchester, all these kind of things midweek yeah, to Nottingham. Yeah. To Nottingham, I was going straight past my hometown, but I couldn't go there because I knew I had to be at the office the next day. Yeah, but yeah, it was yeah. cool. It was all the part of life that I was living. And um, and then, you know, finish on a Friday, get home, literally drive home. And I would have, this was literally it, literally get home, uh, go for a haircut, check in with the parents. Um, I'm like, get my clothes ready for the gigs on Saturday, Sunday, 
go to sleep. That was more or less a repeat. Then it was Saturday show, come home mm. or, you know, chill out with friends. If I even had the energy mm. and then Sunday go do another show. I'm not saying yeah. that this was every single weekend. No, I'm not trying to say it's a superstar mm. lifestyle mm. fully, but this was the gist of it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you, AJ. It doesn't sound like a superstar lifestyle. It sounds like you're grafting. But you felt, but I felt, I felt very privileged to be able to do mm. that as well. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I wasn't, okay. it wasn't a thing of like a graft to me. It, to me, I was so grateful. I was like, you know what? This is exactly what I've wanted to do for mm. so many years. And I'm actually out and I'm living it. And I was living it at such a young time in my life as well, which was, you know, even better. Um, and then, yeah, so doing weddings Saturday and Sunday, and then literally Sunday, not even go back to Derby. I would have to go back to West to, to get ready to go to the office on Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was intense. It was, bro. It sounds intense, man. But, but what you need to understand is that was me times six people that were doing that every yeah. single week. So yeah. Me, Jazz, Johal, H was doing it every weekend. Shagana mm. to DJ Harv, he was doing it every Harvey, weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Harv was still doing it. Uh, Chonks, was still, Chonks was there literally more mm. or less every day as well. So those five were probably like literally in or out. For, and I was there for, and I did that for a good three years. Yeah, mm. yeah. And you had uh, you had Nav covering the North as well at the time yeah, as well. Nav came, Nav came in for a little while as well, but Nav didn't move to London. Nav was just no. strictly where, where it was. He was, like, was up North, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, 2013. That was that was that was that, and it was the slog. It was the slog for 2013 and 2014. Within that time, you know, I'd spoke to these guys, and I was. This was after Kushian, so Kushian was done and dusted. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Nominated for best DJ 2012. Nominated best DJ 2013. That had happened. You know, I was like, yeah, I still want to carry on releasing music. I want to carry. On, still carry on releasing. I want to stay out in that scene. And mm. H was like, look. The music ain't gonna make you any money, bro. Mm -hmm. You better off. He goes, trust me, you're doing damage on these stages in clubs and weddings and you know international. Mm. Keep doing that. Just trust me. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's see how it goes, isn't it? And then literally 2014 came about, nominated again. And I always had this in my mind, like uh, when it came even like British Asian stuff and award ceremonies. I just kind of felt like. You know, there was always this thing about backhanders first mm. and there was always this thing about, oh, you've got to spend X amount of budget with them. You know, for me, I never, there was nothing that came out of my budget to them. Like mm. nothing, even when it comes to ads or anything or music submissions and stuff like that, it weren't anything. Mm. And it was just a case of, you know what, take it or leave it kind of thing. And especially within them two years, because I hadn't released no music, there was nothing, yeah. there was nothing that, that could be, there was no kind of conversation anyway. Mm. Turned up nominations party, finally got nominated. Great. You know, then to get the award, I think was a testament. And I was so kind of like, you know, I was emotional. I had so many things running through my mind. I, I, you know, I thank my mom. I thank so, like kudos. I thank so many people that had helped me on the come up. Um, but it was just a, like I said, it was just a, it was kind of just a gathering of everything just coming in, culminating. Mm. In one. Um, and uh, it was, it was, I was even more so grateful in the fact that, it was just my DJing that got recognized. Yeah. Not, not for the fact that I'd been on TV or any mm. screens or anything mm. like that. That wasn't the case. It was literally because just... Because an amazing year for you, wasn't it? Yeah. Amazing yeah. year. Yeah. Defining year, let's say. Yeah, yeah. It was brilliant, man. And then obviously having to stand the test of time was, was the big thing for me. Mm. I remember I started doing quite a few interviews then because I wasn't even a radio personality. I was just like, mm. I was just AJ. I was just like AJD, the DJ, right? Mm. And um, start doing a few interviews and I said it to a lot of people and I was like, 
you know, a lot of people think that this is kind of like the the crowning moment. Here's the one. Here's the one from 2014. Anyway, and I was like, oh, I was like, a lot of people think that this is the crowning moment. But I said, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people fail to understand that the hard work actually starts now. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, can't, you can't just say, oh, I've achieved this, and now I'm going to be happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never was the case for me. Well, you say that that you were you were doing more radio interviews and that kind of thing, and then. 2015, correct me if I'm wrong, you became like the resident for Love Friday Mix for Tommy Sandu yeah, on, yeah, on the breakfast yeah. show. So th- that's, that's kind of been your introduction into the, to the BBC and on the Asian network. That, that must have really increased your exposure as well and, and your profile. And obviously to go public on a platform such as the BBC Asian network, that, that, that would have been quite some, quite some achievement there. It was, it was, so, it was good. So you're right, six years ago. And, um, you know, the, the beauty about Love Friday and doing mixes for the Asian Network back then was mm. you were able to go into the studio. Mm. You were able to actually go in and, like, kill it. Like, yeah. And I was like, to me, it's just like going to a club. But yeah, I'm, yeah, going, yeah. I'm going there like I'm going there at like 8 o'clock in the morning because remember, <laughs> breakfast show, Tommy yeah. Sandu, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it was sick. It was sick. And it wasn't a resident. They were more or less asking me like once a month. So they had a, they, so they had a pool of DJs and it was yeah. just you know, once, once in a while picked out. And because I was in West London, there was like, you know, we'll pick you up. Uh, we'll take you to the studios. You can do the set there. And again, you know, to me, I just got introduced to another different stratosphere of what mm. exists out there. And I was like, wow, you know, get picked up in a, get picked up in a, yeah, get picked up in a taxi from West London to travel to Central. I love me a bit of that. You know what I mean? Why not, man? You know what I mean? Take time off from the office. Your lads are going to go do a Love Friday mix. Yeah. What's a Love Friday mix? Yeah, listen to the radio, lads. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? And they're like, all right, cool. So then like, but the thing is, is I don't know why, but there was a lot more. I just kind of felt like, the BBC stamp of approval back then had a lot more, whereas I think is now even more, it might've got a little bit saturated in the sense of, because mm. there's a lot of people that are involved in it, which again, mm. not taking anything away from anybody, but back then there was a quite a bit more of a, it was kind of like, a, whoa, like, yeah. whoa. And you know what? I, I, I have to say, AJ, I think BBC is a, a long-standing institution in this country. So therefore having the, a seal of approval from the BBC and to be validated by the work that you're doing by the BBC is an achievement in yeah. itself. And especially yeah. as you said, to be doing it in a time when, uh, about what, six, seven years ago, yeah, yeah, it was, it was even more so because it seemed even more difficult to, to get onto the radio was, and to get was, into it, the Asian network. Even then it was, uh, I can't even remember how it came about, man. I think it was one of the, one of the, one of the producers of the show, literally just got in touch and I think we'd, we'd met each other on the club scene probably mm. a couple of times mm. and it was literally that and uh, he was like look what you're saying and I was like look I'm down man I, I really, you know I'm, you know me I'm, I'm game <laughs> and yeah literally just you know that was it just picked up in a cab straight to central check in get the whole visitor's badge and that turn up <laughs> in your, like, you know turn up with your laptop and that get it all gangster and, and you know, have a little, you know, have a little chat with Tommy Sandu before you do it. To, to me, that was like, it was all part of the package. I was mm. like, this is brilliant. And then get dropped back, you know, so I could go back to the, to the office and carry on with mm. normal life. Yeah. That was happening more or less every month. So yeah, man, I, I was very grateful for that. Amazing, man. Man. And even I was doing shit. I was, do, I did a mix for Bobby Friction back in 2012 when magic came out. And I still, even to this day, you know, say to Bobby, like, you, you know what, like you, you don't know how much you've kind of like been in, 
in, uh, vital input towards my career mm. because mm. you were the first time I ever got to see a BBC studio. And yeah. um, well, I just, you just don't forget these things, do you? No, yeah. you don't. Yeah, absolutely. Massive don't. Especially to, to be to be a, a peer now within the same building as yeah. as Bobby Friction is obviously is such an achievement and obviously shows how far far you've come. Um, but then in 2017, four years after your previous release, you decided to, to bring out more music, put them up with uh, Amr Singh. Yep. What sparked you wanting to release more music at that point? Because uh, you obviously said that H was like, you don't, you don't need to put out more music. You're earning coin uh, by doing what you're doing behind yeah, the decks yeah. on stage. So what, what kind of made you want to do that? Was it the passion that was built up from before that you wanted to, to bring across? Cause it, it was a, was it an accumulation of what you've learned since 2013? I mean, the year after that as well, you created Bhangra Takeover and you did a long Leggy remix as well. So yeah. you, you were doing big things. What, what sparked it in that time? The only, I mean, to me, honestly speaking now, I personally think they were, they were, I mean, to me, I kind of find the projects a bit regretful, which is mm. a bit harsh for me to say, mm. uh, but just being completely honest, the only yeah. one project that I feel like I should have done was the long was the long legend remix? I don't really think mm. I should on the other two singles. Mm. Predominantly thinking that you know I was just thinking on that same thing again, like oh let's release a music video, kind of be in it, and um, you know I was still very intricate within the input of the song mm. uh, songs of the releases, but I just I didn't really have a grasp of that music industry anymore, and yeah. uh, I didn't I didn't really feel. Um, like my heart like my head was in the projects and I used to really always be like that I used to always have you know with Magic and Cushion I was really hands on with it all hmm. six weeks prior marketing this that you know but the thing is is 2012 and 13 were very different to 2017 and I hadn't realised how, how much the market had digressed since then as well hmm. um, although albeit like we said we all do sometimes we do good things and sometimes we do bad things in our career um, release the products you know, fine, did, they did what they did, got the, you know, natural kind of uh, cult support, I like to call them cult support, which is like, mm. you know, your close circle of people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. People have been out there as well. Um, you know, managed to get their attention, helped kind of push the product and stuff like that. Um, but it was just a bug. It was just a bug and kind of like, yeah, you know, I want to kind of get out there. So I knew that they were kind of like regrettable, um, uh, regrettable kind of projects. But then again, I was touring. I wasn't mm. touring, but I was I was doing destination events like oh, yeah, mad yeah, yeah. at that time. Put them oh, up we talked shooting. about Kenya and Malaysia and, uh, Ken and India Kenya, and all that kind of thing. Kenya and Malaysia, I travelled to within the space of like two days within each other. <laughs> I went, I went from um, celebrated Christmas in Derby, good old Derby. <laughs> Uh, DJ that in the Christmas Eve in Derby because we always yeah. do like do a nice Christmas Eve event here that we just put on ourselves for our friends yeah. and family. Um, celebrating Christmas in Derby, Boxing Day literally at Kenya. Twenty seventh, I performed in Kenya. Twenty eighth, on a flight to oh, Malaysia. Nice. I think no, it was it was twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, and then I think it was twenty nine. Uh, 29th flew out to Malaysia, which took mm. like ages because you got to travel so long. I didn't even realize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went from Kenya to <laughs> Malaysia. And then uh, landed in Malaysia on New Year's Eve and the clients who I was DJing for out there had a, like a sick sky bar party. Even though I was jet lagged, I was like, yeah, I'm going there. I'm going to get a yeah. mashup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mashup. Went there, met them. 
And then literally New Year's Day was a rest day and 2nd of Jan, like DJ, their, uh, their event came back to the UK. But I was just going through some mad kind of tour kind of mm, things and mm. I just didn't have too much visual. I've, I've got so much, I've got so many visuals on here that I've got so much on here that I can share and mm. I just love that. I just wish that phones could just be a little bit quicker for us to be able to export that data a bit quicker. Because yeah. <laughs> I've got so many things from there that I love to put together. Yeah. Um, and who knows, maybe I'll do that one day. But like, put them up, going back to think, put them up was shot in Canada. Mm. And oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Bangladesh Takeover was shot in, um, in LA. So I just mm. thought, you know what, why not just kind of make videos at the same time? Mm. But yeah, Long Lechi was probably the one. And, and I think that kind of holds a scope for things that I may be doing going forward because I felt like that that kind of hit more of a struck yeah. more no, it did. Of, yeah. struck more of a relevancy to a lot of people than it did rather than mm. straight up music releases which I feel now is a singer's market that's mm. the only thing that I just kind of feel it's out right yeah. now it's not a producer's market yeah but only if you're established mm. but vocalists definitely more it's definitely a vocalist market right now mm. so let them do their thing the only other thing I'd like to say is about the 2019 award win uh, oh yes, yeah. I, I just think I just mentioned that then. So then, when that came about in in 2019, which mm. has been the last award ceremony which has happened, so there's mm. been no one else that's been crowned. Uh, You're reigning well, champion awarded, then. Awarded, awarded since, yeah. And to me, that was a like. To me, that was a. This here anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To me, to me, this was like a real testament to really be like, you know what. You're standing the test of time now. Yeah, you yeah. Can doing this. yeah. You ain't gonna. Nothing's gonna stop you now. You yeah. stood the test of time from four years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, five years ago. You're here now. That's you huge, that man. Longevity in this industry is, you know, does doesn't come easy, does it? AJ, it's not something that you tend to. See. You see a lot of one hit wonders, one year wonders, you know, eighteen month wonders. But to be there at the top of your game and recognised for it as well over a number of years, it just really shows what you're about, man. That's just an incredible I, achievement. I, I said it on my, I said it on my speech as well. And I didn't really, I never really had the chance to elaborate on it. So I would definitely do it now. And I said, this is going out to everybody who has ups and downs in their life, but rises back up from it. Mm. Um, I just really felt that that was the thing. I just really, to me, it was like so many people go through so many things in their life. So many people, go through things in their life behind closed doors that people don't even know about. People might not even know, you know, mm -hmm. physically, mentally. Uh, but people only see what's on the, what's on the app, what's on the app, what's on, what's on here, right? What's yeah, here, right? Mm, and, uh, on the, and uh, you know, nobody really, you know, nobody has really got the time to scratch beneath the service as well as that if they really find it comfortable to be able to mm. delve in that mm. conversation with whoever that they know. So it was just like a culmination of all of that to be really be like, you know what, this is it. Like you, everything that was going on mm. uh, was just kind of relatively, I don't know, was I in the right headspace? Was I in the right time? The only one thing that I knew that I was just true to my art. Yeah, I was true yeah. to my craft. And, mm. yeah, and, was and that, that was recognized as well. That was, that was, yes. that was seen by still, still going out there and doing my thing. And uh, just being very relentless. Relentless is the key. Mm. Relentless. I think, a, I think that's the right word for it, isn't it, Mac? Yeah, relentless it is. is what we're we're definitely hearing. Hundred uh, percent. From, we're, we're, from we're hearing it. You know, you, you're talking about your thing, and we're we're hearing just that focus and authenticity and relentless drive to make something of where yeah. you're going, and that comes across so strongly, bro. 
full of vision, man. You mm. see success mm. or you don't see it at all, man. That's yeah. the way that I've really been a firm believer of. And uh, we, we are, you know, that, like I was said, but that doesn't come without ups and downs. Yeah. People ain't, it's not a straight line, is it? Success is a straight gonna, line. And you're not going to show that to Joe public yeah. because you don't really, I don't really feel the need to. Oh, why no. should I? Why, why should I ever? Why, why should? Why should I? Why should anybody ever put their weaknesses out? Because a lot of people use that, mm. use that weakness against yeah, you. So yeah. now, mate, yeah. you know that ain't going to happen. No. But you will see me be. But you will see me be relentless, and you will pay attention. That's yeah. it. Simple as that. Respect, man. respect. <laughs> not one Pete, not two Pete. It's the three Pete. So AJ, this is the three P. It's part of the show where we ask you what three tracks can you play on repeat over and over again, regardless of what it is, where it is, and where you're listening to it. Tell us your first one. So the first track that I would choose to listen to repeat repeatedly will be uh, by DJ Sanj and uh, Subjit Khan. It's called Dere Vangunachana. Now, yeah, the reason why I chose it is. Uh, when I came up in a DJ Sanj era, playing it mm, live, mm. came up in Dashja, Bala Bala yeah, Hogi, Tenu Balondia, these kind of tunes and this kind of era, Sanj was the man for it. And, uh, you know, and what I noticed was obviously he went off the cuff, but when he came back, he came back with this, he came back with that sound again. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, like what I mentioned before, the market changed. But for me, I was like, this is sick. Yeah. This is still the same stand. Yeah, like, yeah. This is yeah. And then uh, he released one tune with, called Nishatra Gil called Risk, which was mm-hmm. good as well. But then he brought it back with this, and it had that same Dashja tempo, yeah, same Dashja yeah, 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 click. The thing is, Dash Jar been so rinsed for me at shows and yeah. at clubs that I just thought, nah, man, I cannot. There's something I'm, fresh I'm too much. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's a banger, love it today, still think it's the biggest mm. shoot on a dance floor that we may ever see within our generation. I'm mm. just putting that out so there. True. Um, so true. Um, um, but Dede has that same vibe, but it's just not Dash Jar. That's the only reason yeah, why it's my yeah. number one. I'm on pretty shout man. It's a great shout yeah, no particular order man but yeah, yeah, yeah. no you know and, and I just have to say DJ Sanj a testament to his career unbelievable from early days like uh, when he like the, um, the Nublondia and then obviously that's our American This American This too. all of these tunes and he was the, he was the best and biggest export out of North America at that time yeah. he was and absolutely you know, killing it and it's unheard of, man. But I've, I've, I've actually, you know, I've done a couple of shows with Sanj before. We've travelled mm. to Norway together. We've done a show out there, and he's told me stories and stuff. And to him, yeah, you know, when you actually speak to him, to him, it's the norm. Mm. But like he, he's been through the days of record labels giving him a house, record labels giving him a car, wow. record, and then you know relocating him here just to solely work for their record label, release yeah, wow. projects, make money from them projects go out and let them handle his shows. He has lived that superstar lifestyle. Yeah, but yeah. To him, yeah. It's the, but to him, it's always been the norm. Like, it was a different and, era, wasn't it then? It was, yeah, there, it was the early and, noughties when it was when it was big, man, when the money but, was there. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I was like, so like, I was like, man, you, you like, fucking lived a like, proper superstar like lifestyle. Mm. He's like, yeah, yeah. But then he's, he's very humble. He's now obviously, you know, he's living in, he's back in Vancouver and he's, he's doing his thing. Um, but he's 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 been a testament of that whole DJ thing yeah, as well, man. Yeah. So Nechima, definitely one from three uh, P. And also on that note as well, another exclusive. Watch out for um, DJ Sanja's upcoming uh, album or EP. It's called Rewind Two, 
and uh, he's going to have a few, he's got a few remix projects on there. So the only thing I don't want to say too much, but I'll say is look out for it. Sick. Respect. <laughs> there you hear it here first. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on to the second one. Right, obviously, massive tune, DJ Sanj killed it. What, what's the second one then? Uh, what are you saying, DJ? Second tune I've gone for is uh, by Specialist and True School, taken from the album Represent called Ishari. I love this album. Love this with, album. With, uh, with Kaka Peniawala. And uh, set, share the same testament as you, man. I love the album. Unbelievable. I mean, the, the, this was the first time that Specialist and True School, they created this music that was an ode to hip-hop and it was just with Gaka Benyola on there what an absolute tune I think I think you kind of just hit the nail on the head really I mean that's probably the reason that's definitely the reason why I chose it but again I don't want to go down the Sanival Junk route mm. I don't want to go down you know the two commercialised tunes that got that, that got commercialised on there the Shari I went for because again I'm not come from a hip hop background, but I used to have influences of hip hop that was always yeah. playing. And then obviously we used to listen to a lot of Bhangra that we always used to hear it fused. Punjabi mm. MC used mm. to do it quite a lot of people yeah. used to do yeah. it. And you know, salute to them and what they what they did with it as well. But then to me, when they when Specialist and True School came out, obviously the fact that True School's from Derby, I'm gonna have that little bit of natural bias, even yeah, though yeah. I never never shared a rapport with him back then. I never even mm. knew him. I just knew that it was somebody from Derby. So we was like just always trying to fly the flag yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um and uh when it came out, you know, I'll just oh man. It's a massive it, album. It's just euphoric, it's just euphoric, man. It's just euphoric mm. and then Ishari when I heard it that was I don't know why it was just a standout track for me I was just like whoa man even Natchke wasn't the standout like it was it was it was sick but I knew why they put Natchke number one because they, that had the most commercial factor to it so they yeah, had to yeah, yeah. market but for me I never used to be and I'm still never about the number one in an album I'm always about a number three mm, yeah, number seven yeah, or, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean yeah. I'm always like that like when Moose Tape's about to come out now Siddhu's I'm not going to I'm going to think yeah number one's going to be cool but I'm not going to listen to that first I'm going to listen to your other tunes yeah, first yeah, you know yeah. it looks I mean? like there's about 25 tracks on that album so 28, <laughs> track, 28 track album bro <laughs> there you go man's in for a payday I'm telling yeah. you that. <laughs> <laughs> he's retiring after this that's it man's yeah. in for a payday fam so yeah, yeah all, I know all, all good luck to him as well yeah. but anyway go back to Ishari that's it for me it was kind of like I need if I need hip hop if I need Bhangra man and I need Gaka uh, man that is it that is just the, the complete kind that's of that's it man it's such a tune and if you listen to it right at the end it actually goes into a D&B kick as well mm, yeah. so you know for me it, it just drops kind of, it kind of breaks and then it, yeah, it, it's yeah, got the D&B yeah. bit at the back yeah it yeah, takes, yeah it takes all of the boxes for me man and uh, that's it man so I can go so Dirimangunich is a slower tempo Ishari is the higher tempo I'm all good for it man. yeah man right what's the third and final then what's it going to be yes man <laughs> so the third one is uh, yeah you might think whoa this ain't really like AJ but yeah it is it's by Craig David and Sting mm. Rise and Fall so, and so let's, let's just be clear here it's the original not the Rishi Rich remix no 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 no, not the Rishi Rich okay. even though salute oh. to Rishi Rich man yeah, big yeah. up brother and what he did with that remix as well sick yeah, I love yeah. it but it has to be the original for me sick to me to me when it came out I mean I can't even remember when it came out but I was just hold on just, just checking my phone uh, to me when it came out it was I don't know I just really 
took an attachment to the track yeah, and it's its a lyrics. Massively meaningful track. When it was the first time like Craig David had done something that I could remember at that point that was like, I mean, you know, he had done Born to Do It and he had done all these great tracks, but this was the most meaningful thing he'd put out there, wasn't it? It, yeah, was, like, it, was, a, it was a great song. It was I just, just switched it. I just checked that it came out in 2003, yeah? But yeah. I don't understand why it resonated with me so, so, so much. And I can't really... But then when I think about it, I do think, like, have people been through their rise and falls? Mm. Like, is that is that is that mm. reason? Is that the reason? Had I been through my rise and falls at that point, even though I was probably at a really, really, really young age, yeah. but had mm. I been through rise and falls and resonated with the lyrics to be able to mm. think, well, okay... Maybe I haven't got some sort of relevant, I've got some sort of attachment to this. Yeah. But then now, the only reason why I've chosen it now is because I do feel like it has. Mm. I do feel like mm. there have been, as with me and with everybody's lives, there has been rise and falls. And, um, you know, he writes, he, he's, Craig Davis says things like, I'm not the man I used to be. Mm. Um, now I know that I made mistakes. Um, Sting says, it feels as though the writing's on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, superstar, superstar, once you've made it, and the picture comes tainted is what you call the rise and fall mm. so it's like it's so like word so much word play yeah, you know yeah. you, the way you you actually just brought down the lyrics there makes you actually realise that, that these this wisdom in that tune is actually it's no reason why you've picked it to be honest I mean all everything that you've talked about is is yeah. a, almost a testament to the to this song and, it's the journey and, it's the journey what, the journey yeah exactly what's great about this song that. as well uh, AJ I think it came out of time you're right because it came out of a time where you know if you, if, you, you, if you were young and you were listening to that song you could resonate with it and you kind of think well and that's that's some of the kind of genius of Craig David there because you know, he he was a young guy still. He wasn't like he was in his fifties singing this song about you know mm. like things things the kind of the legend the the person from the previous generation with the guy from the new generation with yeah. completely different backgrounds but talking about the same thing and it kind of yeah. allowed everyone to talk about that no matter if you're young or old if you're urban or more kind of mm. traditional upbringing it's like no everybody has their rise and falls it doesn't matter yeah. this is the thing that brings us all together. Yeah. It was the same mission objective for the yeah, both, yeah. yeah. And I just kind of followed. So that's the thing with me. It's a great that's trap, the it's a great like, trap man. Because if I was stuck on a, if I was stuck on a desert island, man, I'm happy, man. Pour me a drink and put me a bit of rise and fall on, and I'm happy because I just reminisce about everything that I've been through in my life. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. That's it, man. It's sim- simple as. But it's the, it's not the fall. I've never been, even if there has been a fall, that you know, it just kind of repeats yeah, itself. It's a way of It's a way. That's why it's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, brilliant. Ed. I tell you what I love about this three P that we're by the time this airs we're gonna have Craig David twice on mm. the three P. But I really oh, like the fact not that, this song though Craig David just not this as an song artist. but but what I like especially about this song is it represents it represents parts of your career you can you've yeah. resonated with this song for for a particular reason and it's something that I would never have thought of as well by looking at your your career and your influences <laughs> of your career, you wouldn't think that a track like this would be on your playlist, but the fact that it is makes it even better because it shows your musical personality isn't just based around Bhangra music or, or one, one type of track. It's obviously Bro. a plethora of, of different genres and especially Rise and Fall, which a lot of people might not have even heard or might not even paid attention to. Craig David, Born to Do It, Usher, 8701. Man, Mate, I know, I know the lyrics. I know the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, those two <laughs> albums, bro. Heart, fam. 
So Solid Crew. Yeah. They don't know. I mm. know that album, bro. From yeah. the back of my back Sick. of the palm of my hand. Yeah. Oxide and Neutrino days. I'm all about that kind yeah. of vibe. In it. And then you get on, and then Buster Rhymes. I used to love. I used mm. to love a lot of Buster Rhymes and stuff as well. Mm. You listen to his best of and and man, all the lyrics from there as well. Man, he used to be a massive lyrics guy, mm. but yeah. um, maybe not so much Amazing. now. Yeah, great three people. Six, six. So the final question of the show, and the, and what we want to know after throughout your whole career, AJ, everything that you've done up until now, we want to know: Are you roots or are you rhymes? And I can answer that in however I can answer that however I want. Yeah? Anyway, absolutely. Anyway, you want, bro. Safe. I was a massive rhymes guy. Rhymes in the sense of I was all about the speaking, and I still am about the speaking. Um, obviously, I, I will be. That's why I get paid. Um, <laughs> um, but without my roots, I wouldn't have rhymes. So, and that goes for anything that I've ever done in my life. Um, when it comes to my career, roots in the sense of it's all about the music for me now. I've been employed by the BBC to be a music guy and just talk, talk in between. And um, roots in the sense that my come up, the come up of what I've, the, 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 the pitfalls and all the ups and downs that I've been through as well, it all just comes down to the roots, the people that have influenced me in my life, the positive influences, and you know what? The negative influences as well, mm. because they all play a part. Mm. Um, the, the, the family, the structure, the, there you go. You just kind of you might say it then, when I, the roots, that's, that's literally where it's at, man. So, uh, for me, it'll always be about the roots, man, but always the rhymes select salute to the rhymes. Cause to me, I, I also associate rhymes with, with speaking and language and, you know, I'm blessed to be able to do that on, on Asia network, but without your roots, you ain't nothing, bam. So it's all about roots. I'm a roots kind of guy. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm glad you Great said that. And, and I think what, you, what you're saying at the end, who, who said it, Mac, that you, without, without your roots, there would be no rhymes. Yeah, yeah. Some, someone did someone I did think H. Stanley said that. Yeah. And it's absolutely true. And what you're saying now, AJ, it, it sounds exactly the same. And mm. I think you're absolutely right. The fact that you've got a... What you're doing right now is from, a testament to your roots. It's where you come from. It's where you come from. It's where you come from. The tree might have branched out into all different directions, but it comes from the same root. Be mm. grateful for all, man, because mm. that it's all the thing is, is what roots is like. It's like a real deep kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, roots yeah. Is like you know, you look into like, souls in it, water the roots of mm. your soul, and you know that's the only way you can bloom and blossom and things like that. You know, mm. and uh, yeah, I'm starting to believe. You did used to be, I used to be very, you know, happy go lucky, but I'm starting to believe more in these kind of energies and stuff. Yeah. As you get older, you need to learn to preserve these yeah. a lot more as well. Um, so, yeah, man, it's all about the roots. Great answer, bro. Sick. Right, AJ. So, this is the opportunity where you get to plug anything that you're up to. Let the listeners know what you're doing, what you're going to be doing, what you have been doing, what you're doing tonight, what you're doing tomorrow. <laughs> man really oh, you want to know everything eh? nah, that's cool man that's fine there's not really a lot of time that I get to say that apart from on Instagram stories but now nah, it's cool um, I'm just staying solid with uh, with Asian Network so every Saturday 3 till 6 uh, and Thursday 7 till 10 Thursday we're doing a Thursday is the new Friday kind of vibe so mm -hmm. just straight up party tunes Saturday we're going more into like daytime mode and we do a flashback mix every week as well 
Um, apart from that, bro, I'm a very kind of family orientated kind of guy. Uh, I was probably just spend some time with my with my nephews, um, with my wife, obviously as well, and um, that's about it, man. And like I said, just preserve good energy. Probably meet up with some friends if I if I can, and if the weather holds out, I think that's yeah. the key thing. Yeah, now, isn't yeah, it? that is right. I don't now. know how you lot are up there as well, but Derby's a bit on and off, man. To be honest, same, so I don't know same. how that's going to go. And also, actually, I might as well tell. I might as well show you guys whilst I'm here that. Um, on the 1st of April, I actually decided to do something and um, I'm so happy because in the month of April, I have ran 48.2 miles. Okay. Wow. So in the month of well April, so the, first, so the 1st of April, I started running because mm. I felt like I didn't feel physically right. I didn't yeah. feel... And then it also has a, it also has a toll on your mental health. 100%. Like, you know, brain fog I started to witness all these things and I didn't really feel like these things existed before but mm. you never know these things until they start happening to yourself yeah 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 um, so yeah I just started running man <laughs> I did a forest gulp on yeah. these I did a forest gulp on these man I did a forest gulp you only just start. you just stopped for the podcast that's yeah. what it was yeah. man, I just started running I swear that I just started running so I done 48.2 miles like today's the last day of April so one thing I will definitely do today is turn that 48.2 into 50 and make sure I run 50 miles in April and again this has not been for charity or anything this has been for my well-being yeah and amazing national mental, week, national mental health week coming up in two weeks time as well mm. And I think mm. this, this this is an advocacy of, of that as well. Yeah. To be able to, to make sure that self-care is very, very important. We I cannot stress it as much, especially in this digital age that we live in. That self-care is key. Mm. Um and I don't like I don't like expressing it too much on social media because I kind of feel like sometimes it is a little bit propagandist. It's and it's do it should it's, although it shouldn't be portrayed in that sense. But I just still feel like sometimes there's a bit too much in there and I kind of feel like what's the point of one more person speaking? Roots and Rhymes The UK is on red alert. As part of our commitment to the British Asian events industry, we're campaigning with We Make Events to help raise vital funds for those who can no longer work as a result of live events being cancelled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. You can help by donating using the link in the description of this podcast because together we can help make events again.